Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Not the Highlight Reel. We're here today. I'm Jessica Spaulding, founder of Harlem Chocolate Factory. And I'm Melissa Mitchner, founder and CEO of The Bark Shop. All right. So we're already, yo, episode five. That's crazy. It's exciting. Um, no, like we've been doing this at least five times. So there's that. So <laughs> celebrating any progress. Today's episode is entitled, I was trying to support a black business, but which is <laughs> the single most annoying this is in honor of Black History Month. Uh, so, you know, it's a very annoying statement, but we want to get into and address how we are supporting Black businesses and how Black businesses can support themselves. But that's for our discussion a little later. We're going to get into our stories first. First story up, which I thought was like super dope because I've been saying it silently. The founder, the founder of BT, Robert Johnson, my big brother in my head, national television. He is calling out the corporations for the lack of support for black businesses that they said after all those BLM pledges. Because y'all was going crazy talking about how much money y'all was going to give to black businesses. And he said the math is not mathing. Um, all the business owners know that the math is not mathing, but, um, yeah, y'all pledged a lot of monies and the, uh, where it's at, it's giving 40 acres and a mule. So like he had this appearance and, you know, he's just basically saying he's disappointed, um, that a lot of companies, especially white companies announced that they were going to put millions of dollars into diversity and, Black investment in business, and it's just not happening. Um, I think the Post did like a a review, and there were pledges over fifty billion dollars pledged. That's a lot of money. That that's that's a lot of money to not be moneying. I'm not saying that it didn't get to the hands, but there was $45.2 billion was allocated as loans and investments. You've been able to get a loan since? Like, 
they got fifty billion cents somewhere for us to get loans from. I mean, shout out to the Washington Post for covering this and yeah. exploring this deeper. Um, because you know, it's unfortunate. It's truly disheartening. And it says four point two billion of the total pledge is from the form of grants, and only seventy million actually went to the organizations with a specific focus on criminal reform. So four point two billion of the total pledge, forty five point two million. No, that's billion. Sorry, excuse me, billion, billion, billion yeah. bees. Sorry, <laughs> Get the big can't bees. read. Not the little ones. <laughs> um, and, and only seventy million actually went to organizations with a specific focus on criminal reform. That's insane. They was they was playing in our face after George Floyd. They was they was definitely playing in our face. And I just like I wonder how we can hold these corporations accountable, even. For for forty five point two billion of that money to be given out as loans and investments, I, I'm really interested into even understanding that breakdown and what that means because I've applied for loans, especially we're talking about a corporate structure and all of that. Like y'all still use the same criteria that X's black folks out in the first place so how also you see i got my press on so i'm talking with my hands now i gotta hit the table and hide them so it's very it's giving a lot of uh this you know i do my press on it's like every so often when we have an event but i'm really i'm like for only 4.2 billion of that money to go out in the form of grants when that is like the single most impactful um I, I would say this most impactful uh, money exchange situation. Um, and it's, I mean, I've not seen a grant over $25,000. So for there to be this fund of $50 billion, and I know businesses right now that are scalable and I mean, looking myself in the mirror that are scalable and funding is in between and y'all y'all said 50 billion so like i'm i am confusion did you see any upticks um since black lives matter i saw upticks in the in one in the ease of grant um applications that that that's for sure like grants used to be a more laborious uh application process i know that i like i captured some grant monies like we we definitely got grant monies but the thing was is that the grants came right after covid so money that could have been used to scale was used to fill a void left from not being open for so long versus getting an extra you know fifty thousand dollars to just put into operations and to, and, and to use as working capital, it was used to pay off, you know, like debt that right. had accumulated because we ain't get no BBB. Uh, but, um, you know, we definitely should have been scammers. Yeah. Morality it's so, like, <laughs> so unfortunate because 
you know, I remember I was getting overwhelmed via like Instagram requests and, and emails. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like crazy. You know, um, and I was like, I have to sign up for a second because it was just so many people like, we want to work with you, which are, we want to work with, you know, black founders or, and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, how did you find me? You know, it was just a lot going on. I think initially there was some support in terms of like people wanting to support black businesses. I know Google has sent out like stickers for retail stores yeah. to put like, you know, black owned businesses on their locations and on their websites. Um, I think now people still highlight that particularly being in Harlem like, oh, yeah, we want to, you know, we we want to support a Black-owned business or we heard it was Black-owned or, you know, every now and then we do get questions around like, oh, is this a Black-owned business? It's a very interesting climate, especially coming, like, so many things were happening. You had George Floyd, Black Lives Matter movement, the pandemic. It was a lot. Yeah. You know, I think particularly for Black founders, it there was this. I mean, I think there's some trauma that's associated with it too, right? Because you don't get a lot of opportunities and then you have all of these opportunities that you feel like you have to commit to or you don't know if they're going to want to work with you again. Um, so you're like, I don't want to miss this opportunity or this, you know, being exposed to this audience. It's a lot, right? Yeah. And I think just having to settle in, you know, who you are and what you're looking to accomplish and... Not every opportunity is, is a great opportunity or yeah. having to filter through, you know, what you actually have the bandwidth to accomplish. Yeah. For me, I was specifically, I I am specifically disturbed, as you said, like coming out of it and like being in this space of clarity, because when we started, we were focused on the fact that we were black owned. Like my experience being in the chocolate industry and never seeing black people uh, growing up, going to chocolate shows, never seeing black people like the point of my business was to highlight the fact that we was black. And I remember when we was on the Today Show, I have this little sign that we created. This is 2018. Um, and we got death threats for saying that we were a black owned business and having that sign. Um, so now it's just really kind of, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow to know that we got played yet again. So what we're basically saying is run us our $45 billion. Um, I don't want to hear nothing about no loans or no investments unless you're being very transparent and, and very, uh, uh, eased up on the loan requirements. Um, so I don't want to hear it. Run us our fifty billion. Y'all owe us more than that. Run us our money. <laughs> so <laughs> story number two. Um, you know, to be successful in black, man, what a statement. Black business owners are kicked out of shopping malls across the country. Um yeah. this is something that's happening right now, according to Yahoo Finance. Um, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, so interesting. Y'all find this in the shade room. Yo, shout out sidebar. Like in the shade room. I think this story actually originated from the shade room investigates. Go ahead and 
I love to see a black business grow and they are elevating in terms of their investigative reporting. I actually think that the shade room broke this story, but um it got picked up by Yahoo Finance, which is like pretty big. Like Yeah, so in South Point Mall in Virginia, they gave a business owner, Italia Tally, a lease termination with no prior warning on Christmas Eve. Um that's terrible, that's right? Terrible. Everyone knows the holiday season is like the busiest time. That's when you're trying to make, you know, the most, especially it's typically the end of the year. That's disgusting. She said she was, you know, Tally said she was a good business for eight months when she was there. She was given less than a week to vacate the premises. She has to throw out many of her things. Her termination notice obtained by one outlet did not say why she was being evicted. Um, that's terrible. There was another gentleman in a barbershop in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So Tally was, uh, a, her business was there for eight months. Um, and she was given less than a week notice to vacate the premises. And unfortunately she had to throw out many of her things. Her termination notice obtained by one outlet did not state why she was being evicted. That's terrible. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. I don't even know what I would do if I was given a week notice to leave. I'm burning place. it down. I'm burning it down. <laughs> I'm burning it down. We oh nobody gonna have the spot. One week, no notice, no nothing. Nah. <laughs> nobody's getting it. Nobody's getting it. Nobody will have the space. It would be nobody's space. So I also don't want to give up my cornbread and I'm not made for sale. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably would contact one of my attorney friends. <laughs> and I don't want to contact give up my, my attorney. Is mad funny. <laughs> Yo, I... nah, nah, no, because that's it's horrible. It's horrible. What I think, like the point of this story is one, and I think this happened to like two other guys, and then once all of the hoopla came out about it, they were like, "Oh, you can come back." What? No. You gotta negotiate them leases. I think I because this is we talk about it all the time about how Melissa saved my life on like getting me to like dig into my lease. The lease is not a present. It's a business deal. Do not feel like someone is giving you uh like oh they're giving you an opportunity. They aren't. You guys are, you're giving them an opportunity. Yes, they can have whatever business they want in there, but is that business going to succeed? You believe in what you're doing. Yes, they got to believe in it too, but they're believing in it out of a, at a standpoint that they're going to be paid for their belief. You're not paid for your belief. It's a, it's a, <laughs> they are. So Absolutely. They, they get that money. And I think sometimes when we go into these lease uh, situations and agreements, that you can feel like you're getting a a present and or or like you know what i'm saying like it's like a vote of confidence and i get it like we we often don't have people who believe in our businesses and the leasing process can be so hard especially as a black business owner when you're doing it on a shoestring budget and then they start coming up with all this different stuff that you need you got to have this much money in the bank and that much like child if I had a year worth of the lease in my in my, in my account, what? Why would I need this space? Like, I'm clearly whatever I'm doing is already making money. You know, it could be it could be super duper hard. 
Uh, but you gotta you gotta read through that. You gotta you gotta stack the 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 cards in your favor. Yeah, things can always happen, but stack those odds in your favor. That the ability to give somebody a seven day vacate. What? Yeah. Nah, that's crazy. That's and crazy. It, you know, a lease is a legal binding agreement. You know, it's crazy. Like even being in New York City, the rent that landlords are asking for is like, how do you expect for me to be able to grow my business? Or do you just want me to be here to pay, to pay you? It, it's, it's interesting. And I think we have to be strategic. And I definitely, if you do nothing else, if you go into a commercial space, please read your lease, um, have an attorney rather, you know, they are professionals for that. Pay, pay the people. If you can make an investment, that is one investment that you should account for because, and also when you speak with the attorney, ask them, are you familiar with reading leases? Yes. Right? Because you may get an attorney that has never even read a lease, right? Or has any experience with that. And they don't know the writers in the lease or, you know, the certain conditions. So, you know, I think it always comes back down to my favorite term, do your due diligence interview people in the same way that they you know would interview you ask tons of questions um i have found attorneys shout out to start small think big absolutely they helped me um the new york lawyers alliance there are tons of nonprofit attorney organizations that are willing to help um level up legal shout out to shermeen Laika and her team like yeah. You got to get on the University of Google and, you know, start looking up like nonprofit for business owners. You know, you can ask for, uh, you know, if you do come across an attorney that you really want to work with, and you're like, listen, I can't afford your hourly rate. You can ask for a junior attorney. You know, like that's another thing. You start finding when you're dealing with a partner, it's going to cost you more billable hours. Um, I mean, the attorneys are interesting as well because they start billing you for things and, you know, you got to be like, well, how many hours are actually allocated to this? And am I working with a partner or associate? It gets crazy. So do your diligence. Don't be dissuaded, right? Like if it's a 50 page lease, the space was vacant, take the time. Don't yeah. just feel like someone just, oh yeah, they're giving me opportunity. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think my, so how I did it on a budget, right? Like broke as a jokey. Um, the local like chambers of commerce, the local like business associations, they always have some lawyer in connection with them. But what I found um, was that you actually need at least two lawyers to look over a lease, especially when that lease is very long. Uh, I actually had three attorneys. My landlord was playing the game. Like my lease was like 50 plus pages and he was hiding things. And the first, uh, I went to like a legal clinic through Start Small Think Big. That was like, they were having like a real estate clinic. And I was like, oh, okay, let me go ahead. Cause Melissa told me to go have a lawyer look at it all right, I'm going to get a lawyer to look at it. And he, uh, he spent 15 minutes. He like, we had sent 
the the lease to him in advance and then he got on a call with me for like 15 minutes and was like no 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 yes this is a legal clinic you need to hire an attorney immediately there are so many red flags and he told me he said go through the lease with a fine tooth comb and highlight everything you do not understand and then talk to your attorney about it like what does that mean how can we phrase that to mean something better so I can have a full understanding of the processes and procedures as it relates to my landlord. And we found some like some, some dirt on, I'll never forget it. Page 36, section D, like you, you was playing the game, but you need, you need to like stack it. And a lot of like the local business associations and stuff will always have lawyers, um, Attached to them, especially if you don't have like one easily accessible in your network, but do not play a game with a lease. Don't play a game. If there's any other contracts that you ever contracted, your lease, like where you lay your head, it is not like an apartment where you are, you know, you're subject to the rules and whatever. This, this is a commercial interaction. The city, the state don't care nothing about what y'all going through. Y'all, they'll be like, oh, take you, take each other to civil court. That's where you solve that problem. So you'll be locked out of your space. It ain't no, there's no person that's going to come save you. Like, oh, I got a lease. That's all getting directed to civil court because that's a business deal. This is, you are not a, you're not a person moving in. You are a business entity renting that space. So do not think that you have any coverage or help if your lease does not specifically allow you for that. But I think it helps also strengthen... Um, your muscle, you said page 36, right? Like yeah. people are not reading to page 36. Yeah. So it strengthens your muscle as a business owner to read. I don't care if it's on page 356. Yeah. I'm going to get to it, right? So that matters. But with that being said, we're going to toss to a break. Yeah. Um, we look forward to coming back and speaking with you. Be right back. Be right back. That's my, uh, okay. I'm trying to come up with a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, guys. So I'm here to talk about opportunity, opportunity alert. Um, if you are not familiar with or have not been watching, the U.S. is investing in renewable energy. It's successfully scaled in Europe, and they are looking to invest stateside. So climate energy, you know, anything green, helping the U.S. be better. The state energy department is also investing 120 million in workforce training focused on underserved communities and priority populations. So definitely, you know, we want to make sure this, this article that we are bringing to you comes from climate wire. And the, the headline is black business owners test offshore wind for diversity. Um, so here in Uniondale, New York, Deidre Helberg, Wanted the conference hall past booths occupied by construction companies, shipping firms, and cable manufacturers, and wondered where she would fit in. Like most people here, Helberg was drawn to the trade show by the prospect of supplying equipment to an offshore wind project planned off Long Island. But unlike most of people here, Helberg is black. She's used to this after nearly two decades of running a business that sells electrical equipment to utilities, 
transit authorities and universities, Helpberg 60 is accustomed to being the only black woman in the room. Ooh, child. It's a lot. So she, the quote that she said is, I don't even really exist, she said. Looking at the mostly white faces milling around a nondescript conference room at a local Marriott hotel. I can tell you that, you know, being the only black person in the room sometimes can often feel alienating. But when you are at the table, from my perspective, you have a duty to walk in your greatness. Right. And if you are listening and you feel that imposter syndrome kicks in or that's when your anxiety kicks in, um, I want you to think about, you know, who and what you stand for and what does success look like after that meeting, after that presentation, that pitch. Um, let that be your guiding light or your North Star and let that invigorate you and really fill you up to give you the energy to focus on the long-term gain and what you actually want to achieve. Go out there and learn about, you know, climate control and, you know, everything that there is to offer environmentally because it is where there is a heavily fo heavily focused. And if you haven't thought about it and you have that skill set, please, I encourage you to go out there and go get some of that business. All right, let's hop into our discussion for the day. I, I love this sentence and I love this statement because it is infuriating. And it pisses me off every single time. Whenever something happens, I mean, regardless of what's going on, right? Like, we may be out of stock of a product. We may be... uh. I mean, it don't matter. Like, didn't respond to a DM in the in the right amount of time, or didn't respond to an email at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. It's always like, hey, here's this. It's not even like a piece of advice. Like, it's this retort. Like, see, I was trying to support a black business, but. But what? We don't have any more cookies. You hear it's the end of the day. There's nothing here. Or like our pricing that you've never compared to any other pricing at any other chocolate shop. Because if you know, you know that I've studied this industry. You know that my pricing fits well within the range for the quality of product that we have. But then it becomes like this. See, I was trying to support a black business, but y'all trying to gouge. What? Like, why does I was trying to support a black business come up when it's just something that, like, when you at when you at the Walmart, you like, oh, I was trying to support a white business, but I I am like I am I'm confused. Like, even when you walk into a small trinket store and you don't see a black person, you walked into that store, you you admired how it looked, you admired what was going on. But then, like, because something went wrong, you're not like, oh, I was trying to support a Ukrainian business. But, like, that, like, what, why does our blackness get weaponized? And how can we, as black business owners, arm ourselves 
against that that thought process. I, I like I've been trying to to figure it out. Like I get it that it's a comfort level um, in our own community. I, I but I am I it, like it comes up so much. Um, our way of of combating it is always just like telling the truth of where we are. Like we are not Amazon. I cannot, I, I put on my website how many days it takes us to process. We are a team of, of less than three people. There are thousands of you. I know you, like, yes, we have to invest in getting stuff out the door, but all I can be is transparent about how long it takes us because we got so many things to do and so few people. And so it's just like, I, I just immediately like, and we appreciate you trying to support a black business. But like, here's, here's what comes with that. We don't have the funding to have some huge facility. We got a small kitchen that we have to work around our production schedule to figure out a place to bag up boxes, which like, I, I mean, I don't know, like, what are your thoughts on that sentence? I know what that sentence triggers for me. It uh, grinds my gears and it gets on my damn nerves. But I also have a lot of patience with my people and understand that it's not always coming from a bad place. Um, but at the same time, it's absolutely fucking annoying. I was actually going to say, so what I hear you saying is like, <clears throat> instead of jumping to the conclusion, right, or just putting people all in a category like, oh, this is a black race, it's not going to be great. Like try to figure out or learn more details before like even making this ignorant statement. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's really ignorant. I think, you know, in my experience, things happen. I think I always say the one thing I can relate to you on is being a human being and things happen. So this is actually what transpired. Do we always get it right? Um, you know, it's unfortunate that we fell short. Cause I think, also, people just want to hear the accountability, right? But I'm very solution-based and solution-detail-oriented. So it's like, we're going to get to, like, what do you need? What do you expect from this? Yeah. Right? Because we're not going to take away from the things that I've built and the work that we've done. So without saying it directly, you know, just providing that great customer service, remaining calm and professional, you know. So how how can I resolve this matter for you? Or what would, because I think there are some people that come intentionally to antagonize you, right? And when you get riled up and you get out of character, they're like, yeah, see, they couldn't keep their cool. They, they're not professional. And then it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So I'm just like, all right, what, what can I control in this moment? Even if someone's like irate and yelling, I notice that when you remain calm, they sometimes can get louder and I'll just say, you know, I haven't really had that that many experiences like that, I will oh. say. Um, so that that's also the thing, I think. And I don't if I have a bad experience at a black business, I'm actually more inclined to say, Hey, I know, you know, things happen, right? I'll give them another shot. I don't just it could just be an off day. Right. And I don't think it's necessarily a black business, a purple business, like business owners and businesses and people just have off days. Right. So I'll give you another shot to see if it was an off day.
but my patience is getting very thin because I think customer service in itself is fleeting. Mm. So my money is going to hit every time, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm spending my money, I'm actually tired of having subpar service mm -hmm. overall from larger co corporations to smaller corporations. It's like, where's the customer service? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I try to look at things from the whole picture and not just get in like these pigeonholes, but at the same time, you know, I do give people the benefit of the doubt. And it really depends on how that interaction goes in that moment, right? If it seems like it's off there, I get it. Like, it's hard to, the workforce is crap. You know, like, it's hard to find people to actually want to work or come to work. Like, things are happening. All right, Kim K. That's a ripple effect. <laughs> <laughs> things are happening that is actually a ripple effect. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, is this an off day or this is how things actually work? And if it actually works like this, I actually don't want to patronize the business. Yeah, no, I, I like I, I literally like I feel it. Like I, I am very, very clear on the fact that it's not about excusing subpar service. Um, I also understand as a business owner, um, that it's like it's super hard to give a service that you've never received, right? Like. I remember walking into like high-end stores with my mom as a kid. I'm very, very fair-skinned. She's very, very dark-skinned. And it's like, I'm a kid, like even not necessarily like a kid, like I'm like 16. I may look a little bit more mature, but I'm broke. That's the lady with the money. <laughs> and they were like, they would wait on me hand and foot. They would like, even when we go places, my mother will sometimes say like, oh, I'm going to bring Jessica with me because I know that I can get better service. And it's like, that's, mm. that's literally horrible. So when you come from that space, like I was afraid of it when starting Harlem Chocolate Factory. Like I went and I sent myself to some very, very expensive customer service training um, and have like did done my very best to build that into our processes. But it becomes a little hard to manage expectations when people have when the the scenario and the atmosphere culturally has shifted to this 24-hour support uh you know one day turnaround that like people are amazed like okay i you got the order like yeah and i immediately got my tracking number Oh, not for this handcrafted product that we in here making at the same time and we got one table to work with and to ship shit out. Like, that's, like, the expectation is, like, yeah. and so it becomes hard to, like, manage those expectations to what is, what's bad customer service and what's an unreasonable expectation. Like, we right. get, like, being talked down to, we get like all those are horrible and have no place in business. But there's this other side where it's like, are you serious? Like I ordered this last night at 10 o'clock. Can I get my tracking number? What? Last night at 10? Baby, it's not o'clock in the morning. Nothing's happened yet. Please, please. It's, it's, and it's not about us not doing it. There's literally three people that work in the company. 
baby, this that's just not. And we could put up all the shipping facts we want, and it's like people don't even read it. So I like I really think that businesses have to do the best that they can to arm their customers with accurate information about what their processes take and don't build in a process or build in a timeline that you can't scale out. Because what happened was we used to kill ourselves to get stuff out the door and to do all these things. And that was cute when we had 25 customers or 50 customers. Then when thousands of people was hitting you up and you can't sustain that, you start getting those calls like, oh, I heard like, girl, it's we, we can't do that. And it's good that I mean I think having these conversations, right? So that when people listen, it gives them a broader perspective because people really don't understand what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. Right? They only see the thing and they're like, Oh, this is how it's always been. This is you know, so Yeah, we ain't got no robots. The- Boo. Somebody gotta come <laughs> in here and go in, look at your order, see how big it is. Print out the label, go get a box, package up the product, put the stuff in the box, check all the other orders, make sure you got all your stuff in your box, make sure that it's going to the right address, make sure that you put your address in right because y'all always want to leave a digit off your zip code. Like, get all of that, go back and forth, listen to your request for the thing that you want to add on at the last minute, and then try to wrangle one of these UPS or FedEx drivers. Child, you know how many times we've been in here and had pickups and the person never came to pick up? Wow. Like, you know how many times we've gotten stuff to the office and then looked at the tracking numbers and no one scanned them? Like, I mean, like literally craziness. Like, which is why one of these things where we want to take our production out of the city so we could have like a one-on-one kind of like relationship with our local distribution house or taking them directly to an airport because these things mean something in this new culture where people want stuff as soon as they order it. But like, boo, we all not Amazon. Set the expectation. We used to order stuff back in the day and hope that we got it by the next month. And I get that that's just not the culture no more, but Baby, how how you want us to do it when it's only three of us? How? How? We got kids. We got things to do. Yes, you spent your money. We're not go- we're not robbing you if it take a couple extra days to get to you. And you got your And even around. Amazon. Even Amazon is not um delivering. They're not doing it no more because it's as it's, they used to. It's impossible. It's impossible. They set a standard that you can't meet. When your volume starts to go up. So yes, we I'd rather say like, yo, it takes us a week to get you your product and then build down and then you can get it in three days and we can, as we grow and scale, but I would rather say I could do that. Also, I want y'all to read the shipping facts before y'all come real loud and proud in that I'm just trying to support a black business in the, in the comments section. Because it's crazy. I also think this is a good marketing. Like, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking about my experiences in shopping. And when you have a longer arrival date, right, a pushed out time, and, and then you actually early. receive it sooner, oh, it's like, yeah. wow, this company is amazing, right? So it's actually, this could be a great marketing 
give the A-B test people this. to read. We need the people to read that part because like no one's reading. No one's reading. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. Like it could be posted, I, I, you could put it on Instagram, email, in your store. Like nobody reads, and it's okay. Now that I have experience with, what people not reading, people yo, people <laughs> people not reading. Like people don't read. Like I'm like it says right there in the, in that red box right there that it's gonna take this many days. But why I get a tracking number yet? Because it didn't ship. It didn't get processed yet. Okay, it's ship. Why I ain't get it yet? You gonna have to talk to UPS. Those the you you got it. I'll, baby, what you want me to do? You want me to bring it to your house? It's to the point where I've literally I brought packages to people's houses. Like UPS did did somebody dirty, whatever. It's a really important thing. I, I've had to grow out of that, but God bless. That's neither here today. Oh, the the man behind the the curtain, Asai said, "What advice will we give to?" A person who wants to support black businesses. And he's talking about himself. I'm saying a person. But what advice do we give aside if he wants to support a black business? I would make a list of my favorite things and see what black owned business makes it. Oh, that's that advice. I think that would be super cool, right? Because I think, yeah, just make a list of the things you love and be like black owned, you know, water bottle company, black owned travel agency black owned i mean there's tons of stuff we also live in the era of google now so when people are like oh i don't uh, know or not nah, nah, i'm like you can literally google, google. Yo, i'm just saying like wait, what's like, they call they call alphabet now whatever you need a check. alphabet alphabet right. put melissa on because <laughs> no uh, yeah my i think my advice is more in the actual interaction I actually think it's really important. Like I said all this, like, oh, I was trying to support a black business. There is also a part of it that black businesses do need feedback. Do not write off a business, which sometimes we conflate black with micro. Some of the issues that we face with black businesses are not about the fact that they're black. It's the fact that they are a micro business, which is very different than a small business. A small business could be up to, what, 500 employees? A micro business is often one person, maybe two, running an entire business by themselves. Everything. Um, when something does go wrong, finding a way to communicate why you won't return. And if it goes right, tell as many people as possible. Um, and if you're a founder or entrepreneur listening, I think the other thing is to be receptive absolutely. to the feedback and not defensive. Exactly. Right? Because Everybody ain't people wrong. are not trying to tear you down, right? And I always say, all right, if I hear it a few times, there's some truth to it. Yeah. Right? So be open to the feedback and apply it. I think that's something that, you know, every entrepreneur can say that they learn because nothing is built in a day. So what are people saying? especially as a small business, because you have the ability to adapt and change faster than larger companies. They got to go through legal and like all yeah. these different departments and get things approved. Like it's, it's, that's the beauty of having a small business, right? You can test things out. You can, we just talk about a whole new marketing concept. So I think that's important. And then also we have to remember that there may be people that are listening that they may, they may not be, Black-owned businesses in their area or their state or things like that. And that's okay. So they may not get that initial interaction. But I think 
really honing on what your intention is, yeah. right? And if and outside of just patronizing the business, it could be truly like supporting with your skill set. Yo, because I think that is actually the key, right? Like, Damn. hey, I'm really good at this, and I noticed. Like, let's talk about what you want to accomplish. This may be random. I'm not a crazy person, yeah. right? But I committed to. Doing X amount five of volunteer hours. hours. Yeah, exactly. I got you know, five dedicated. Hours yeah. Like. I think that's important because I, yeah. a lot of the times it's not that black business owners are not talented. They just don't know how to leverage their network and or actual what they need or even know what they need because they're so bogged down by the day to day of the business exactly. that they can't even dream or, exactly. you know, they get sidetracked like to what the actual dream was and what it could look yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. Not having bandwidth is very real. So if you have talents, uh, you know, anything like, you know, you want to support, yo, do some volunteer hours, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, hold somebody down for a second. You got a local coffee shop, yo, give the, and you cool with the owner or whatever the case may be, take a shift. Like, right? Like, I, yo, it's just... <laughs> It's so real because the thing is, is that our businesses are running at a whole different, from a whole different perspective and a whole different scale. Like, yeah, we're getting into it where people got like low 401ks and things like that. But the fact that our actual families, what I think what like black families are at like a zero net worth, like if, or a few thousand dollars over that. Not having that means you don't have any leverage for money. When we talk about that $45 billion earlier, where they put that all in loans and investments and all of that, to tap into that, you have to already have wealth. They want collateral for loans. They want you, they want to show that you have somebody around you with the money of the loan in the bank. Like these are real life steps that you have to get over in order to get real money, right? You could get you a little five, ten, when they talk about they got money for black business, it's like five, $10,000. When you start needing real life money, like real life money, you need some six figures, it becomes incredibly difficult if you don't, you know, if you're not able to like hop through the, the, the SBA, but after SBA, you kind of, you screwed. Right? Like, and you need these quick whatever. So you can't really retain talent because you don't have access to enough money to retain talent. So that's our other piece. Volunteer. <laughs> Volunteer, tell the world, tell them, and black business owners, open your mind. Everybody ain't trying to attack you. It feels hard because you are being attacked. I know for myself, we were being attacked. We have had death threats. I've been to the police several times behind just putting a little sign in the window that said Black-owned business. And really, because people trying to play me from being light-skinned, and they were saying that I was a white woman. And I was like, I'm a, I'm fighting the next person who says that. <laughs> but we just wanted to hone in the fact that we were, um, you know, Black-owned. So we're going to close off the show. I hope that you, you know, were able to get something from this today. Uh, the closing tip of the day is to network with intent. Please, Lord. You can easily get caught up in networking and expand your network to no end. 
make sure you define a very specific goal for your networking. If you need to find people to help you with funding, then that's the goal and that's why you're networking. That's what you're to that's the topic of conversation that you're having. You're not just networking to network because y'all confusing networking with being mixy and it's not going to happen. Have a goal and execute the goal. Network with intent. But that was the show for today. I hope y'all liked it. Yeah, I hope you really I like my it. nails. Thank you for listening. And my wig. Wig still wigging. <laughs> and my background. Right? Another week. Thank you for listening to Not The Highlight Reel. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media. Catch us on Instagram. Like, share, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, make sure you give us a rating. Hit the five stars. Okay, thank you. Please don't be a hater. Uh, but we'll catch you next time. I'm Jessica. And I'm Melissa. See y'all later. Bye.